This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Another day, another road win. This is becoming pretty routine, Joe. Eight in a row. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, um... It's, uh, I guess, a little bit hard to explain. Not in in a bad way, I mean, but just I think we've we've done a good job, obviously, of um, winning different ways on the road. I think we've had different guys on on different trips, and and obviously certain games. Obviously, this trip um, without Donovan being there, um, Rudy Gay yesterday, Rudy Gobert yesterday, just different guys. Um, at different times, and I think obviously with the depth of our team, that's why you sign the, a, a team as deep as we did and, and bring the players and we did, and um, or that we that we have, not that we did. Um, it's been yeah, so it's obviously been good. I think you, you go through the year, and obviously you want to want to be strong at home, um, but then everyone says you, you obviously try and be as good as you can at home and try and split the road. And obviously we've we've done a a good job at home, but obviously a, a probably a better job really on the road, which is is tough to do in this league. Do you know who my favorite player in the NBA is, Joe? Me. I, it used to be, but I think I got to go with Jake Lehman now. Congratulations! I wish you the best. <laughs> we were just talking about trolling, and now you are trolling Joe hard. Come on now. <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> I agree, Joe. Well, we're on the same page then. He's not my favorite player, but... What was going on there, man? It didn't seem like you liked him at the time. Well, he's actually with my... With uh, Bartlestein, who's my manager, and obviously a lot of other people's um, agents in the league. Um and I was talking to Mark the next day, and I said something about it. Obviously, joking around this, I do. I wouldn't say I know Jake, um, but obviously, being with the same agency, and Mark Bartlestein does a good job of his clients knowing each other, and and not not that we sit there and text each other, but just having a you, you know who's with the same agent. You bump into each other. You I haven't worked out with Jake. I'm saying, but I've I've worked out with other guys in the league that are with Bartlestein. Um, but it was just a bit of a coincidence that it happened to, that it was him. And, um, I mean, for me, it was fine because it kind of fired me off a little bit. I probably played a bit better than I've <laughs> I have played at parts this year. So it was, it was what it was. Um, I think I got teed up, which wasn't, um, which is a couple of dollars down the drain, but whatever. We'll, uh, we move on. 
So have you ever considered what guys are trying to accomplish when they do that? Because you've been in the league now. So if you're going to be intimidated, you're going to be intimidated by some guy who's unstoppable and going for 50 and 60, not yeah. for some guy who, you know, runs into you on purpose. And I got to admit, whenever I see that, first off, I laugh because it's you and I know we're going to talk about it. And then second off, I'm thinking, well, what happened like two, three or four possessions earlier that nobody heard or, or nobody noticed? Nothing. Really? It came out of nowhere? The, so the only thing in my mind as and I, I mean, you guys know, if you, like as in the second unit when I'm with them, when I'm not starting, I for a, a good chunk of my minutes, I usually guard the point guard a lot of the times. Um, which, in that sense, I'm standing at like the half court kind of thing in the middle of the court because point guard's kind of in the middle for possessions. And the guy that inbounds it is usually like running down with the. So if you pick up full court, the guy tries to screen you as you're up, like playing kind of some pressure defense or whatever, just to turn the ball a little bit and waste some clock and. If not, so I'm standing there, and I can. I think it was D'Angelo Russell I was guarding, and I could see him running down the court, and I could see Layman coming towards me, and I'm like, oh, like he'll eventually run left or right. Like that's just for sure in this play, he's not meant to be running down the middle of the court. Like, then he kept coming and he kept coming, and I mean, you put black belt James Johnson there, I'm definitely getting out of the way. Um, but I was like, he's not going to move. Like, as this is getting closer and closer, and I was like, well, I'm not going to move because <laughs> I've been here for about 40 seconds anyway. And then he just, yeah, he just kept... So as he as he obviously got closer, I turned a little bit to, like, brace myself because I didn't want to f- get knocked over. I'm not going to, like, flop and try and get a foul or anything that way. And then, he, yeah, he just kept running. And then, obviously, I was not going to, like kind of go on with it but then he came back and ran into me again <laughs> into me again that was what I was like alright idiot that's but you had it good. yeah I'm, it was I'm wondering how does a how does a player choose an agent you, you've mentioned Bartlestein a few times yeah. now what goes into that I actually heard um, Garrett Temple's with Bartlestein as well and, and a couple other guys on his team and we all anyone that's with Mark has no doubt in the world saying he's the best agent in the NBA um, just for, for what he does for his guys and um, it's not a he doesn't have every top 15 player in the NBA he's got a lot of role players he's got guys that he believes in um, not saying he he's got Bradley Beal he's got Gordon Hayward he's got a number of extremely high level guys but there there is a big chunk of the Jake Lehman, me, um, Garrett Temple, like guys like that, um, Doug McDermott, um, a lot of role players. And, and I think um, as you're going through this process of it, so I, I was with an Australian agent my first few years and then realized I wanted to go to Europe and my Australian agent probably wasn't not well known in, in terms of him being well known, but knowing what teams and and just getting in that market and then as that went on priority sports has got a really good european base as well um in terms of who who their agents are and um yeah just sat down with a couple agents and kind of like an interview process i guess i sat down with two or three and for me it was always with a lot of things that that not that I, not not that I hire a lot of people, um, but people that are involved in our in our life in some sort. It's always about the feel of the, the relationship before the work. Like I want to be able to 
feel comfortable calling you, feel comfortable with you in my house, feel comfortable with you around my family, those type of things. And and that was what I felt with Mark. I just felt really comfortable with him. And um, yeah, it's kind of random. It's almost like an interview process, I would say, because you are, they're sitting there telling you what they can do for you and you've got to believe them (laughs) to a certain extent. But then they still have to follow through with, I don't think a lot of no agents are sitting there saying, I'm going to promise to get you a hundred million dollars, but they're, you can do this and this and these teams are like, I mean, it's a, it's a tough job for agents. So yeah, it's a bit of an interview. And like I said, for me, it was, it was like 95% about the feel and the, the comfort level being with someone. Um, Cause like you guys know, I mean, they're, they're a big party. Like I speak to Mark probably not as much as I should. Um, and he texts Renee all the time telling me to answer my phone. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're a big part of your life. And I, I've been with him since I was 18, 19 now, something like that. So I've been with him for 15 years. And um, obviously, like I said, someone that I'm really close with. Um, he knows my children. He knows Renee really well. Obviously, he knows my family. Um, and, and vice versa, I know his family. And He's based in Chicago, so go there and, and catch up with him every time. It's, um, it's a really good feel and, and good relationship. But I can see why guys do chop and change agents because a lot of the time, I think these people, these people, these these agents, they not that they promise you things, but they they want to sign you, they want to get you, they know the potential, or they can see the potential, and they want to get that. Not necessarily that payday, but it's still that's how they make their money. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a funny business. It's I would never get into it, but um, I think Mark's respect around the league and with players and all that, and um, it was an easy choice for me. So, did he represent you when you were in Europe? You met him through that uh, when you were looking for an agent to go to Europe and, and yeah. Play so my my Australian agent at the time when I was first in the NBA actually kind of sourced out a, a few different agents to say, hey, we're looking to partner with someone. Um, ended up just signing with him and they, they sorted out whatever they needed to sort out um, from that point of view. But um, yeah, I signed with him my second year in the NBL. So I was like 18, 19, uh, which was like 2006 or seven. Um, but like I said, so Mark and another couple of guys basically do all the NBA. And then there's another kind of branch off the company that does the European guys. They've got a lot of guys in Europe as well. Um, in every country in Europe, they've got a kind of like a, a home base scout or agent or whatever you want to call it that if you, on the day to day. So if I was in Barcelona and I needed something and obviously with language barrier and all that, and I needed to, to get a hold of someone and I couldn't get a hold of Mark or one of the European agents and I would call the local guy. Um, and same with NFL, they've got NFL, um, they've got coaches, Steve Kerr's with, uh, with Priority Sports, there's, there's a bunch of coaches as well, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a job I'd want to do, um, it's a, it's an interesting career, um, but yeah, like I said, Mark's, uh, unbelievable at it. You have a high-profile job, obviously, Joe, but you come off as a regular guy, and we've known you long enough that that's important to you, and you don't really look at yourself uh, as anything special in terms of, you know, you're a good human being, and that's the most important thing. So I'm wondering, when you see a kid on social media goes nuts because he gets a Joe Ingles jersey for Christmas, how does that make you feel? 
it's crazy. Um, it is still, I mean, like you said, I, I don't, like I'm gonna, if you could see where I'm standing right now, I'm standing on about 3,000 toys that the kids just thrown all over the house. Um, and it is what it is. I, I obviously thoroughly enjoy the, 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 the life I get to live, obviously, but um, also want to stay as low-key as possible. Um, but then, obviously, you see a lot of things on Twitter and, and whatever, and things that you get tagged in with, with kids or families or people abusing you or whatever it is. <laughs> I get all sorts, so it's, uh, it's an interesting um things to read the next morning when you get up but um no those ones are, are special and I, I guess like you said like i never i never imagined as a 17 year old when i first signed my first deal that uh, i would have kids begging for uh begging for my jersey or, or jumping around or getting emotional or um even the stuff with with autism or, or families and kids or whatever it is the, the work we can do um people saying it's their dream come true to meet you or to, to get a jersey or um whatever it is and, and obviously that sense of work that we can do outside of shooting a hoop and i mean you guys know me and renee and our family and not that i don't want to downplay the importance of my job in basketball but they're, they're the things, they're, they're the reasons. Obviously, I'm trying to play my best every night. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but they're the reasons that we, we do what we do and we have the profiles of, we, we use the profile to the best we can doing those things because they're the, at the end of the day, I'm going to be an old man that maybe I win a championship, maybe I don't, maybe I make more money, maybe I don't. All those things are, are hit or miss, but I can always promise myself and, and Renee and, and the families out there or whatever that I can make an impact in that way and that's what we've tried to do with the, the autism world and try to help out in parts with, with Izzy and her situation with, with what recently just happened so um, they're, they're the things that matter at the end of the day I, I know fans and, and we do as players and owners and wives and families and all that want to win every game possible but um, they're, they're the things that, that will last a lifetime. I know that the games come fast and furious, and as soon as they're in the rearview mirror, then it's just like, I can't remember that game, DJ. Don't ask me about it. But I want you to, to look forward. Does it does a regular season with the matchup with the Warriors, does that have a little, will there be a little extra pep in the step going to the arena that night? Will there be a little, or is it really, it's one out of 82, maybe we see them in the playoffs, maybe we don't, but... It's just about yeah. Tonight. No, I think I think it will. Um, first and foremost, we haven't played them. I, I, we were actually just saying the other night when we were after the game last night, which feels like nights ago. Um, like we feel like we've played like Sacramento and Minnesota about a hundred times each, but there's obviously some teams we haven't faced at all yet. Um, played some of our East Coast teams. We've already finished like the, the, the season series against them and the, there's all these teams, but obviously there's some pretty good teams, some really good teams we, we haven't played at all. So um, you don't want to obviously get too far ahead because Minnesota's still a good team and, and we've had battles and then we lost to them every game last year and we also don't kind of forget that either. So you've got, got to go into that one first, obviously, but then... Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting. I think with the the level they're playing at, um, they're obviously playing at extremely high level. Steph is being 
Steph, um, what we all kind of know. And I mean, I think he's done it his whole career. I think they just didn't win as much last year or the last couple of years, but he was still being, being the same player, a few injuries and stuff. But they, they're almost back to that team that, that obviously a few, like I said, uh, Clay's not there. And in terms of the protocol, you kind of wait and see on the day who, who's going to be there. But if you've got a team that, that Steph's, Steph's the head of the snake and Steph's playing, doesn't really matter who else is out there with him at, at certain times. So, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be exciting, I, I think, playing at home too um, for the first one against them. We, we get to obviously have a sold-out crowd. Um yeah, and we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll see, we'll see how we go. But we we do have to get get through Minnesota first, and and then we'll worry about that. But yeah, like you said, being a back to back, it does come pretty fast. It's wake up. What is it? I mean, we play tomorrow, don't we? I think we mm-hmm. play tomorrow. So <laughs> play, play play Minnesota tomorrow, and then um, back it up against. I think they're the number one record in the, at the moment, or yeah. up there somewhere, one or two. So um, yeah, it'll be a good good challenge for our group the next two games. Yeah, ESPN has been building that uh, matchup with Minnesota, the rematch between Lehman and Ingles. So it's 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 it's, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be a big deal for sure. You the know? funny thing is, I I probably won't even like I won't even go near in this whole game. Like not on purpose. <laughs> I'm saying it just like that's how the game is. Sometimes, sometimes you you guard someone for a whole game, and then the next time you don't even like remember they're on the court because you barely see them. So. I'm in Los Angeles right now because I'm here to cover the Rose Bowl for the uh, for the station, and I'm driving. Yeah, absolutely. Send me. I mean, I'm the bottom of the barrel. There's no question about that. Uh, I I'm driving yesterday, and I got a lot of time to kill. Right, it's uh, the weather and uh, the traffic. The drive ends up being two, three hours longer. So I'm looking for stuff to listen to, and I come across a podcast on hoops hype. And it has your name in the title. I'll listen to it. I mean, I got 45 minutes to burn. I got, you know, 10 45-minute time segments to burn. So I click it on, and they're talking about possibly trading Joe Ingles. And I'm screaming at the phone, no, no, this can't happen, man. I got my jersey for Christmas. I can't. There's no way I can deal with that. So I'm wondering for you. uh, Hopefully they can refund them if they have to. (laughs) (laughs) You just roll with that at this point? Oh, man. I mean, it's – I mean, I've obviously – Probably, I mean, I haven't listened to things like that. I don't, and that's the kind of least of my worries, obviously. But I mean, you get tag, like I said, you get tagged in all these things, and um, obviously, I'm I'm human. I, I open my phone and read Twitter or, or whatever um, social media or articles or whatever too, and not not a lot of them, but you, you obviously I've seen it quite a fair, quite a lot, and and, and quite a bit in the the summer or the, the off season or whatever it was. I, I remember waking up from my nap before the semifinal against team USA and was like, basically like from what I was looking at and the text I was getting, I was like, Holy moly, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone right now. Um, but uh, I mean, it's, it, it's obviously a tough one from my stand. Obviously at the end, I'm very well aware of the business of, of that side of, of the game. And at the end of the day, obviously for, for me and what I guess I've been able to, what is it, eight, eight years now, whatever. Um, 
I've been very open about wanting to finish here. Um, and I realize that I'm at the other end, so I know that's not like another 10 years. <laughs> I'm not trying to, trying to stay for that long. Um, but like I said, I obviously understand the, the, the business side of it. And I do have a lot of obviously love for the jazz and the organization and the Millers and Dennis and Quinn for bringing me originally. And, um, if something was to happen, obviously that's the the what they assume is the the best for the the organisation. So um, if it does, I'd obviously be extremely disappointed. But it, it's life, and obviously the the harder part for me is is Renee and the kids. And Jacob has done so well in his school here. Obviously Miller has has two, and Renee's very comfortable. We're comfortable as a family living here, um, but. It, it kind of—I don't want to say it is what it is because it sounds like I don't care. But um, from, from that, it's obviously not my decision. A lot of it. Um, if they decide they need to do something, I would be happy for them if made them better. If they thought they were getting better, because like I said, I do love this organisation and the city, and we're all here for the same reason. We're all here to try and win a championship and be the first team to do it. If I can be a part of that. Great. If I could be a piece that helps them do that, then uh, I would still feel pretty good about it. I would be disappointed that I wasn't here for it, but I would be, I would be happy for a lot of people. Um, some very certain individuals I would be very happy for, and the ones that trade me, I wouldn't be very happy for. But <laughs> it, would be, it is what it is. So, uh, like I said, I think. I mean, they 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 know how I feel about here, but that doesn't come into the conversations when you're talking about winning a championship. They're not saying, "Hey, we can't we can't keep, trade Joe for Kevin Durant because Joe's family's happy." Like that's <laughs> that's not coming into the conversation. So. Okay, I'll agree if it's Durant. You got me there. Well, there's obviously me too. I would I would ship myself away. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it is. I mean, it is what it is. It, it, stuff comes up every year. Uh, I've been lucky through seven and a half years to not really hear much at all and um, obviously I'm in a contract year I'm the only player on our team in the kind of main rotation that's in a contract year so it's a very easy bait to throw out there so like I said we're, we're happy we'll, we'll see what happens obviously for me it's about playing and playing well and, and winning games and um, I'll keep focused on that and laugh at some tweets every now and then and, and keep it moving. I read a, uh, I read a, I read a baseball a book by a baseball player, an autobiography, and I had somebody help him write it. And he got traded, and he was recounting it, and he said the moment on the phone he was told he was traded, he said he wasn't mad. He was waiting to hear who the players were coming back. He's like, please let it be an all-star and a Hall of Famer. Please let it be an all-star and a Hall of Famer. Don't let it be a cow and three magic beans. Don't let it be a cow and three magic beans. Well, and I think a part of that, too, is you you get a little nervous. You're like, you want to know where you're going or if you know people there. Or I mean, obviously, for, for me right now, I'm in this unbelievable organization in terms of like what people don't even know off the court with how we get looked after. With like, if people knew the day to day here, we have every players come here every year, and like, there's no other team like this that do X, Y, A to Z of list of things of of what they do for us off court and our families and our children and and things like that. So it's like, obviously, you want to you want to go to a good situation, but like I said, that's for uh, I don't even know Ryan, Danny, and. Justin Zanning to make those decisions and 
I'll be put in the loop somewhere when I'm either, <laughs> when I'm either when I'm either still here or I'm not. Um, and yeah, like I said, we'll see what happens. They they know how I feel about being here, but it's uh, it's out of my control. Joe, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining cool. us. Happy New Year. Good luck in these games, and we'll talk to you again in another week. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Joe Ingles, join us here on the Joe Ingles Show every week on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, we had Lincoln Kennedy on at 7.30. And Lincoln, football tough guy, lineman, 300-pound guy, crashing into guys, got pretty emotional. And we will tell you why next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. He covers Ohio State for The Athletic, Bill Landis. You know, there are people on the Michigan side questioning Ohio State's toughness, and, and one of their assistant coaches, I, I believe, said that Ohio State was, was kind of a soft, finesse team, and obviously that's never something you want to hear somebody say about your program. So I'm interested to see if there's carryover from that going into this Rose Bowl, because we all know that, that Utah wants to play the same kind of way. They, they want to play a physical brand of football, and Ohio State just kind of got challenged a little bit by Michigan, and you know, I guess that can go one of two ways. They can just kind of roll over and kind of end the season and not, not worry much about putting up a fight. But I would say there's some pride in the line for Ohio State, too, because I don't think they want to go out in a fashion where it's, you know, back-to-back games where you're getting pushed around like that. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit leaseheatac.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. All the stuff we've been talking about during this show, we talked a little basketball, the Jazz roll again. They've won eight in a row on the road. They beat the Blazers. Rudy Gobert had 22 points, 14 boards, and Rudy Gay gave him 21 points off the bench, and the Jazz win 120-105. to 105. Coming home to face Minnesota tomorrow night and the Warriors on New Year's night. And that win was about as routine as it gets. The Blazers were missing half their team, two of their best three or four players. Jazz started 14-2 in PK. They, yeah. It was clear. <laughs> it was clear. The pregame talk was, we're way taller than them. We get layups and dunks until they have five guys standing in the paint. And it's 14-2, and there were five guys standing in the paint, at which point the Jazz started shooting three-pointers. Yeah, you look at that Portland roster. I think they have two starters on the roster and maybe only one legitimate rotation player in Nance. And then Nance had to move into the lineup other yeah. than that. There's a bunch of guys that you yeah, know, they did. they're under they, the circumstances. I mean, they 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 tried. I got to give them that, but they yeah. they were so grossly undermanned. Yeah, they showed they showed a stat uh, during the game about the Jazz bench scoring. At which point it was like twenty four to four or something like that. The Jazz had an overwhelming advantage. I'm like, well, yeah, the the whole Blazers bench is starting now. They're missing so many guys. The guys on the bench probably weren't on the team. Yeah, it's the sort of the world we live in. Yep. It's just amazing that the Jazz have not been um, hindered by that yet, and hopefully they won't be, and hopefully nobody will be, but, I mean, it's not the reality of the situation. But, you know, keep piling up these wins. You're staying – the thing that I like is you're staying within shouting distance, so to speak, of the Suns and Warriors. Right? You're, they know you're there. They haven't run away with it, neither team, Right? There's still plenty of time to overcome both of those teams. And even if you don't overcome them, be close. You know, like the Suns, what, they finished a game behind the Jazz last year? Right. 
So it it sent a message, I think, you know, to not so the rest of the league, but maybe to themselves, particularly in the case of Phoenix, because they hadn't done anything. It sends a case a message to themselves: we're good. I don't know that Steph Curry needs to send a message to himself because obviously he is really good. Uh, but I think some uh, of the younger players on the team might need and that, and they, they certainly they, draw strength by looking over and going, "Well, we got Steph Curry; we're in good shape." And I think that with the Jazz here, winning games without Mitchell is a good sign. Winning games comfortably. Now, neither of these teams are all that good that they beat. But the fact is, you've got players that, veteran guys that know, two nights ago or two games ago, it was Joe Ingles doubling his scoring average. Last night, Rudy Gay. And so you know you got somebody or somebody's if someone is out injured or protocol or having an off night, you got other guys that can step up, and that's good to know. And it's really no surprise. Joe Ingles goes for 17. Somebody's like, going, oh, my gosh, I didn't see that. Or Rudy Gay has a real uh, effective shooting night. It's like, oh, my gosh, no, not really. We, we know Rudy Gay can do that any given game. And that, that, there's a sense of comfortability there that we've got guys from the management coaching perspective that can step in and do what we need them to do if somebody else is out. Warriors and Suns tied for the best record in the NBA. They're both 27-7. and seven. Jazz are two games back at 25-9 and nine within shouting distance, as you point out. And there's nothing fluky about that. You look at the point differential and the Suns are plus 7.5 and, and the Warriors and Jazz are plus 10. Nobody else in the West is plus three. The, and, and the next team is the Warriors. Or excuse me, is the Grizzlies. Uh, the Warriors, the Suns, and the Jazz have really pulled away from everybody. And we'll get to see the Jazz and the Warriors Saturday night. Uh, other stuff we have talked about. The Lakers lost again. They're two games under five hundred. LeBron, he can put this team together. He's not taking that much heat for the fact it's not performing that well. They're apologizing to him. We don't have a good enough team around you. LeBron had a little bit of say in that, which Ooh, is another way of saying he had a lot LeBron? of say. Nobody <laughs> criticizes LeBron and, and even lives, let alone gets away with it. The Lakers are 17 and 19. They're two games under 500. LeBron went for 37 points on the night before his 37th birthday, and they lost to the Grizzlies 104 99. Ball hog. <laughs> Have you seen that roster? I want him to hog the ball. <laughs> yeah, what he's doing is phenomenal at his age. Utah State lost to Air Force in their conference opener, 49-47. Man, 20 years of Air Force basketball, nothing changes. First one to 50 wins. If nobody gets to 50, well, we'll have a winner and go home anyway. Yeah, they really plotted up. Utah plays Oregon State on the Pac-12 Networks tonight, 7 o'clock. Oregon State is 2-10. They are 0-2 in conference. A great opportunity for the Utes to pick up a road win. The Utes are 8-4, and and they are 1-1 in conference, so... Big game for them tonight. BYU beat Westminster 65-57. to Weird game. A lot of starters had problems scoring. But Gideon George came off the bench with 17 points, so BYU beat Westminster. And how Gideon George is not starting, I just don't understand. <laughs> okay. Save that. Uh, Oregon looked bad in the Alamo Bowl. The final score was 47-32. It was worse than that. They were down 30-3 at halftime. They got outscored 24-0 in the second quarter. New coaching staff, hit and reset, cannot come fast enough for the Ducks, who have now lost three of the last four games. And that is unacceptable in Eugene. But nevertheless, I find it beautiful in Salt Lake City and then here in Los Angeles right now. And I'm going to have a little bit of a, of a nostalgic 
walk down memory lane today if I go to Utah practice. Because? They're practicing at Harbor College. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Back in the day covering junior college football. I, John White went there. Uh, I think he played there. And Harbor College, I covered them 30 years ago, and my gosh, they sucked. <laughs> there was two, two juice JCs in the South Bay, El Camino, which is really good, and they have a legitimate stadium. I mean, it's a really nice facility, especially for a junior college. And then Harbor College, which was a bad high school facility, and I was always low man on the totem pole, so I got Harbor College. And I actually I lived, I had a little townhouse not more than two miles away from the campus. Uh, so I just, they sent out a thing this morning, the routine, the, the agenda, and I just looked at it during the break. And they will be practicing at Harbor College today. So I will go down and walk the halls with my fellow Seahawks. That was their nickname. All right, PK's in Los Angeles for the Rose Bowl, and uh, Unrivaled will be there this afternoon as well, broadcasting live from Southern California. Right now, Rick the Dishwasher, getting ready for a trip to Pasadena in the Rose Bowl. Rick, how excited are you? I'm a little worried driving down that there's going to be like an outbreak. Cancel the game. Stay positive. Yeah, don't talk about that. No, 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 stay negative. Oh, good point. Well played. <laughs> well played. <laughs> so, Joe, Joe Ingles such a good guy, and he probably is the glue on the team, and he is an ingredient on a playoff team, without a doubt. But not for this team, because you cannot have him and Bogey on the court together in the playoffs not just because they're slow and not that good, they're not good defensively, but when those defensive teams turn it up, you can render Joe kind of useless. So, so you can't have them both. I still think something like Dylan Brooks or that Bain guy, we need a two-way player who plays defense. Yeah, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, Memphis is not trading you a good young player for a guy in his mid-30s. They're not doing it. Uh, but they do need a shooter, but you're right. It's somebody who's – it's an ingredient somebody needs, probably a better team. But that's the type of player. We need an athlete like a David Benoit or a Blue Edwards to go along with uh, Mitchell so we can have some kind of transition game. And uh, because our offense is as close to perfection as this, that sports scene. But why do we, I mean, those two games against the Clippers, I've never seen such a pathetic defense. I mean, they were getting run around in circles. And Joe isn't just slow now. He's old. He has to think about moving his legs. I mean, there could be a loose ball two feet in front of him. And he's got to send a message to his brain, move legs, get ball. And, and every person gets that way when they get old. No, I mean, the reality is Bogey could get us a better person maybe. It'd have to be a three-way deal because we need a small forward, athletic. We got Royce as our defender at two. But we're just, I mean, if you outscore teams by 18 to 30 from the three-point line and you can lose games, that means you are the slowest team in the NBA. You don't get turnovers. You commit a lot of turnovers. 
So you do have one glaring weakness, which is athleticism. And, uh, I mean, a team like Minnesota, they're young kids. They don't know what good offense is, but they beat us because they just turn it up athletically. I mean, if you're looking at Joe Ingles in front of your bogey, every single player in the league says, I can blow right by this guy. Now, because they're perfection on offense, they can be a plus player. But against playoff defenses, it becomes a little bit of a liability. Rick, we're going to have to run. We appreciate the call. I was promised Rose Bowl talk. We're going to talk to our call screener about that. All right, thanks. Thanks, Rick. Well, DJ... I mean, this is my life at 3 a.m. each day. Have to go wee-wee, move legs, get out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rick's a one of a kind. I got to admit, I was hoping for a little Rose Bowl talk out of him. All we got is uh, the game's going to be canceled, now back to the Jazz. Come on, Rick. I want to talk about the Rose Bowl. I'm going to the game. Okay, hang hungry. Have lunch. (laughs) Well, I have that all the time. I'm hungry. Move legs. Get next meal. Problem is I'm doing it six times a day. That's the problem. Grass lawn. Cut yard. I mean, we can have have a field day with this. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel, enjoy a Bilt Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Bilt.com and save 10% off your order using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Bilt Bar. Feedback we're getting today. Lots of topics. We had Joe on the air, and of course there was a story this week that the Jazz were really close to trading him over the summer, and then the deal didn't happen. Uh, one story I read said uh, Quinn Snyder was a, a big part of keeping Joe in Utah. So Joe was reflecting on that and told us earlier in the show that uh, when he was at the Olympics looking at his phone, he thought, well, I'm gone. I'm, I'm gone right now. If you missed the interview with Joe, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, Apple, it's everywhere. So go go grab it. Uh, Just put, DJ, going forward, here's your message. Wherever you get your podcasts, that's where you find it. Do it. Yeah. And you can listen to Joe talk about uh, what he thought as everything was happening in real time in well, the I'll summer. Well, I'll tell you right now, Joe goes, I go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe, a different Joe, Joe Trum at Trum Joe. Says, uh, trade Joe, Danny. Joe Ingles needs to go back to Australia, Joe says. Okay. What? Uh, there's always a hater, PK. It's probably a Laker fan. Hey, Joe, shut up. <laughs> Come on. Uh, we got a lot of people weighing in uh, on our question today about Oregon and how bad is Oregon right now. And uh, Devin, who loves his Ducks, says Oregon was missing 30 scholarship players. The head coach bailed on him. They had a glorified backup QB. They did still win 10 games, win the North. He referred to that as a miracle, which then had you listing all sorts of miracles. Uh, but they were down 30-3 to at halftime to Oklahoma. One point per scholarship player missing, apparently. Right? Michael says, how unprepared has Oregon been with a coaching staff looking past the players to Miami? And uh, Jason says 100%. And the Utes took advantage of it. 100%. (laughs) 
Sean, uh, come on. Jeff says they're mediocre on the national stakes scale, but they're great in the Pac-12. Man, they weren't great against Stanford if it's the bottom of the Pac-12. As yeah, Donald points out, they were bad enough to lose to a team like Stanford. Yeah, and I don't want to, and, and you brought in that glorified backup quarterback and chose to start him. That's your own friggin' fault. Willie says, I've turned the thought that clearly Oregon uh, wasn't as good as we all thought just by the fact Utah destroyed him twice in three weeks. To get it blown up the first time was a good game. The second time shows they were overrated. Uh, I agree. But let's not uh, underestimate maybe Utah was better than we thought. Willie says, if Utah beats Ohio State, I'll be more than ready to eat my words. But if they get blown up, it's going to prove my theory. BYU ran through the Pac-12, and BYU got beat by UAB. What's your theory? Well, his theory is the Pac-12 isn't any good, and BYU was... Yeah, Utah and BYU beat a lot of Pac-12 teams, but when BYU went to play UAB, they got beat, and when Utah goes to play Ohio State, they'll get beat. So Utah isn't any good. Is that what we're saying? Uh, this guy's saying Utah and BYU aren't any good. <laughs> He's dumping on both of them. Well, then who's good? Alabama. <laughs> I, mean, that's, okay. I mean, that is the way it works. You know, if you're, if like you're in your 10-team league and everything breaks right, you know, and the champ is 10-0 and, and the next team is 9-1 and, and the next team is 8-2, and two, well, the worst team beat the team that didn't win any and the next team only beat those two and the next. So you're right. My head's spinning. Yeah, you can, you, you can talk your way into everybody's bad. Great. We all suck on three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did ask Steve Klauke that once, uh, and I can't remember what prompted it, but it was you know how sports is changing kind of topic or something. And I think we were sitting at a jazz game killing time years ago. And, and this has to be at least 10 years ago. And I'm like, Steve, in the time you've been doing this, what's the biggest change? And he looked at me, didn't miss a beat. He goes, everybody sucks. Used to be teams won games. He says, now teams just suck and lose them. And he was dead serious that that's, that take in sports, oh, well, this team just screwed up that game. It's like it used to be, hey, Team A won the game. And now it's like, Team B blows. How did they mess that up? He was, he yeah. was 100% serious. Well, then I guess everybody sucks then. <laughs> what, what, can I, what, what can I say? Now, Ron has a different theory. He says Utah broke Oregon like a cheap Christmas toy. Sorry, Ducks. You know, you think you're really good, and then you suffer that loss, and you never really bounce back from it. I think we have seen that story with teams before. Well, I think what we see is the team that loses in the Pac-12 title game always loses the bowl game. Literally. Well, definitely seen that. So there's something to that. You know, at the time, the Ducks only had one loss, right? And they were ranked third? Uh, the first loss to Utah? Or, or, am I right? Yeah. I think I'm... I'm they were either right third there. or fourth, yeah. yeah. But to your point, yes. Yeah. They had one loss, Stanford, and they had the awesome win at Ohio State. And, and that they, they rode that for a long time. Well, they rode it until they played the Utes. Well, to this day, they still have the best win in the conference. Beating Ohio State, yeah. Yeah, and I think they had Verdell at the time, and uh, you know he's a great running back and he got hurt. I think he got hurt. But after. their running back hasn't been their problem. They got more running backs. And he is, he's the guy. I mean, uh, Travis Dye ran for 153 yards in a game last night on 18 carries. So th- their problem was their defense gave up points on eight straight drives. 
You can't give up 47 points and 560 yards and force two punts, one at the start of the game and one at the end, and force zero turnovers and think you're going to win. No, but screw them. (laughs) It's about Utah winning the conference and going to the Rose Bowl. All right, more on the Rose Bowl coming up tomorrow morning. PK is in L.A. Unrivaled is in L.A. So afternoon drive on your way home today. You'll hear the guys uh, from L.A. getting ready for the Rose Bowl. Jake and Ben are coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network.